Hello, this is Tom Williams, and you are listening to Talk Theater in Chicago's Interview Podcast. My guest this week is one of the terrific actors in town. He's the guy we've all seen in shows, and we all think he's pretty good and he, or great, and nobody remembers his name. Well, his name is Frank Knoll, and he is starring in a excellent production of Eugene O'Neill's A Tough to a Poet. Hello, Frank. Hello, Tom. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, sir. Tell us about uh, A Touch of the Poet and this unique character that you're, you play in the, in the show. Well, I uh, play the uh, role of Cornelius Melody, the owner of a uh, rather shabby tavern in, uh, right outside Boston. Uh, he's a man who's uh, pretty much deluded himself from uh, about his birth and the, uh, and how he stands in today's society. He was born uh, in a to a, uh, a lowly tavern keeper who had, uh, through his connivings and manipulations, had a, a vast, amounted a vast fortune in Ireland that Con Melody then went through in his adulthood and just kind of dissipated on, uh, uh, just threw it away, basically. And now he finds himself in America with his daughter, Sarah, and his wife, Nora. I see. There's an awful lot made up of his um, being a major in Wellington's army. Yes, he fought under Wellington in the Napoleonic Wars, and that's where his uh, life kind of became frozen in that moment, uh, no matter what his circumstances at the present may be. So that's the delusion he goes on to, that he is still that major in the Napoleonic Army. Yeah, and he, uh, as in a lot of Eugene O'Neill work, and a lot of Irish plays in general, he's uh, he's bitten by the, the drinking bug. Yes, he is. He is an alcoholic of the nth degree, and of course, his family bears the brunt of that. You you have a habit of playing characters like that. You know, somebody said that to me the other day. They're going like, "How come out I see you're always playing the drunks?" And I go, "I don't know. It just all always works out that way." But you know, drunks are very hard to play on stage because I there's nothing worse than seeing somebody who who plays a hokey drunk. The wrong way. It's it, it becomes, I don't know, silly satire or whatever. It is true. You have to. Uh, I I totally agree with you. You have to be able to find that something. You got to be able to push that button in your head that just that plays in the background while everything else is going on. Because if you're just playing, if you're just acting drunk, then everything else goes out the window. Yeah, you have to kind of be drunk. Yeah, and and you certainly do it. But so tell us a little bit more because the whole play hinges around his delusions. Mm-hmm. His daughter and and his wife uh, are, I think, a terrific characters too. And the wife is uh, sort of the doting. She 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 li- plays to his fantasy. Yes, she does. Uh, well, she supports him in it because of a, a deep and romantic love that she has for him and this romantic ideal. She is perhaps the most saintly character in the play, although she gets the brunt of all from both sides, really, from his daughter, who is very much like Khan, uh, so she becomes the sounding post for both sides, and a lot of times that's done with a club. Yeah, and what a lot of people don't realize is that this play was written in 1942 by O'Neill, but it wasn't uh, mounted until after his death in, the, in like, 58, I believe, uh, and this was supposed to be the first part of an 11-part series that obviously, he, I think he wrote one more. Uh, he yeah. actually didn't 
finish the second one. Oh, he did? I, okay. I think it's called The House of Something. I, yeah, but it was supposed to be an 11 part thing. So, because so, a lot of people wondered why O'Neill would go back to this era. But it's really a key era in American history. It is, and it's also part of, I think, the essence of what O'Neill was writing about. He, because of the tragedies in his own family unit, he was fascinated with trying to bring these sorts of bigger-than-life family issues to the stage. Uh, his one the comment about uh, Touch of the Poet is that he wanted his father or someone that was <clears throat> kind of the old romantic figures of the time. That's who he saw as Con Melody because they, the minute they walk on stage, they have that grandeur and that, uh, you know, thank God I still bear the unmistakable stamp of an officer and a gentleman. Yeah, and you do. You uh, and, and what I found fascinating is, is early on you had the high British accent. And then the lower you devolved through drink and through other things, the more Irish came out. Yes, which is also what O'Neill is trying to get back to his roots, trying to get back to uh, to let people see, to remember their roots at a time when we were much more nationalistic, perhaps. And, yeah, uh, and uh, uh, he doesn't really, I don't think he really mocks the British, but he tries to make a case for the discrimination early on in in uh, colonial America of the Irish, they were considered the low class. Well, yes, that's true. I mean, any history, especially even in Chicago here, especially. I mean, uh, the Irish were the lowest of the low, and uh, you know, they were all other minorities were considered way above them. Yeah, that's true. Although they ended up being dominant because they could speak the language, so they got into politics and police and fire and. I, I guess they felt that since in Ireland they were always abused when they came here, they wanted to get get power. Yes, and they they had, yeah, their yeah. history had shown them that uh, that was uh, the best thing to do. Yes. Otherwise, but they get, would have to relive their history again. Yeah, getting back to a touch of the poet, uh, I love the 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 way O'Neill and the way uh, Kathy and and your supporting cast played the Irish uh, drinkers, all his his drinking buddies. So, well, boy, they are low lives. Yes, they are. Uh, Jimmy Ronan, uh, Kevin D'Ambrose, uh, and Larry are uh, are great actors, and it's really their parts are really not that big, but they have brought a hundred percent of uh, enthusiasm and joy, and it really it really makes my job a lot easier to walk out that door into the great party they always seem to be having. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's superb time. You get so every time that door opens. You 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 expect to hear them uh, enjoying life and shouting and hollering, mm-hmm. yeah. And they do, and they do it with zest. Yeah, that that. God bless them. So, so tell us, uh, what brought you to this role? Uh, it was originally introduced to me by uh, John Mossman, uh, Kathy Scambiatari's husband, but through scheduling conflicts, he wasn't able to do it, and Kathy kind of took up the reins uh, with me, and uh, I had have to admit that I was scared of the role when we first started because he is it's a role in which you can't really hide there's not a moment where you can relax on stage and go like well i can just let things go a little bit here oh, no no you really have to be at the top of your game and, and i really think you did that oh well thank you thank yeah, you so I, much. I really did it uh I, so i could i can understand being a little apprehensive but you know it is one of the great roles it, it is. You know, it if is you had to list the top, say, 25 roles in modern theater, I think that would be in, in the on the list somewhere. It is, and I think it is probably one of 
the most difficult roles to do. You know, even Hamlet, I think, to a certain extent, falls a little bit below it. No, no offense to Shakespeare lovers, myself included. But uh, he is such a complex man. He, you're actually two to three different kinds of men at any given moment because his persona is so shattered. Well, just for those who haven't seen the play yet, and obviously, folks, you got to get to uh, Stage 773 and, and terrific new, the way they've remodeled that place and, and and uh, you guys look like you're having fun there, but give us a little bit more of what his character is for those who, who may want to come see the play. Oh, I'm sorry. His character is... Uh, what is... You said the comp- complexity of his character. Yeah. Uh, he, there is the wars going on within him. Uh, there is, of course, the father who deeply loves his daughter and his wife. He does love his wife, but his being stuck at this kind of moment in his life where uh, we you've heard that before sometimes people get trapped at a moment in their life and they're never able to move beyond that yeah we all know people i know people like that yeah and he is trapped in this moment and uh he, he is holding to it as desperately as he can no matter what uh circumstances or realities are thrown at him but also so we have he, that man. yeah and how about the conniver the survivor and yes, and then we have, you know, I mean, he is also, he was also a, a very accomplished soldier and uh, um, a man of the world, uh, uh, an educated man. So he has these warring at the same time against where he's surrounded with people who, you know, they may speak the language, but I'm sure none of them write, read, or, uh, you know, they think he's crazy when he recites poetry. Yeah. And then we have, of course, the drunkards. And all the problems that come along with that, physically and emotionally. So tell us how how you prepare for a role like this, because generally a role you, you're playing a blank, mm-hmm. but this you're playing a blank, blank, blank. It's like playing three characters. It, yes, it is. Uh, it, it was mostly through. I mean, I could see that. Luckily, uh, you know, I, I come to a point in my life where I could pick up a script and, and look at this character and go. Oh, okay, I see where he is here. I see where this is. I think maybe I can get to where he is here. Uh, so I, some of it has come with just uh, my own increase in knowledge as I've aged to know that I know where it needs to get to, and I know where I need to get to to get to that point. Well, so a lot of it's experience and, and understanding the script. Yeah. Yeah, and how much does the director... Uh, play into this? Oh, a tremendous, tremendous amount, because it, it, there has to be such a high level of trust, because you know, even the age I am now, you have to have an eye of one to go like, yeah, you're not quite making it there, you know, you may think you are, or you, you know, you're, you're kind of slacking off a little bit, so let's try it this way, or let's come at it from a different angle here, and the trust you have built up with the director allows you the freedom to create things like that. Well, it sure helps, though, working with the artistic home people like you have. You've had some terrific successes over the last few years there. Yes, we have. We've, we've actually been on kind of a roll here, and uh, we're very, very grateful. And I think it is from the love of the art that uh, we try to engender in everyone we work with as well as ourselves. Yeah, and this is this is turning into this year and the next year, the year of O'Neill again. Not a, yeah, you guys and uh, uh, Eclipse Theater and the Goodman. Right. 
Yes, mm-hmm. uh, they clip just uh, they, yeah. This is their entire season is devoted to it, Neil. I believe I just saw the uh, notice for that the other day. Yeah, so, yeah, and the Goodman's Goodman uh, is reviving uh, uh, one of his classics, "The Iceman Cometh." Ah, uh, yes, the Iceman Cometh again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that should be that should be real interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go back now. In, and by the way, folks, if you want to see one of the great performances, you got to get to seven seven three. Yeah, and see a touch of the poet, because Frank, you are you are tremendous in that role. Oh, thank you, Tom. Yeah, and well, let's go back because I saw in a few other things. Uh, I remember Lynch is uh, the tallest man. Ah, yes, the tallest man. Yeah, Yeah, he was nominated for a Jeff Award for uh, most best original play for that. uh, Well, you know, I I tell a story, and it's it's in my review of the play also that I was I had met up with a lot of people I hadn't seen in a while, so. Usually before the show, I try and read about, but I didn't get a chance. So we go in, we start to play, and there you guys come out. And again, you you played this unique character too, which I'll have you tell me about in a second. Uh, and then when the play ended, I thought I was seeing uh, an old, uh, K, you know, Casey play or, or Sing play or you know some old Irish play. And John Mossman says, "No, meet the playwright." And there's Jim Lynch, you know. Young guy, and uh, it, it was amazing to see that he had he had the the the, the feel of uh, of the Irish classics. Yeah, uh, Jim is quite a talented young man. There, uh, he is. Uh, he's been part of dramatist playwriting for a number of years. Uh, he he uh, he has been working on this play off and on probably for five or six years. You know, it hasn't. It all changes have been. You know slight and uh, internal, but uh, it was ready to be produced. Uh, he had created quite a bit, of, quite a nice piece of work there. Yes. Uh, how much do you, as actors, get involved with a new work like this? Because uh, you're the first what, one bringing it to life. You know, each yeah. you know, each character you play. Well, that's true. I mean, and we were we were very lucky that Jim was there, and Jim is also, you know, he uh, he would give. Uh, a certain amount of free reign. He's going like, you know, if you want to ad-lib here, trusting, you know, that we know the characters and the situation. And uh, that's what we would do. So we do bring a certain amount to it. But, you know, it might be a, a little bit here, a little bit there. But the framework of what uh, Jim had built uh, was solid. So Yeah, that makes it easier for it. But it's got to be fun uh, putting your stamp on a, on a new uh, new work. It is fun, especially when it's doing the role that uh, you're speaking of in that. He's just a uh, silly old sod that, uh, you know, kind of backwoods uh, uh, Irish uh, uh, land seeker and, uh, and yeah, living in the pub every other second of the day. So, Yeah, it gives it gives my uh, non-Irish friend say, is it true all you, you Irish do is just drink all the time? I said, well, I'm one who doesn't, but... Uh... I do know a few of them that, that like to have a drink or two. Yes. Uh, I've always held to the old English customers is never have a drink before the sun goes down, but never go to bed quite sober. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then you were you going backwards now, sweet bird of youth. Hmm. You you played the uh the heavy in that. Yeah, Bob Finley, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately I had to leave that show because I went to uh uh, Knoxville to do It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play there at the Clarence Brown, which I just found out that my photo is one of the like 150 montage on American Theater Magazine's cover this month. So, oh, terrific. So you got to have to get a hold of a copy of that. Yes. 
for your brag wall, or, or if you have one. Yeah. Uh, so tell us how you got started now in acting. Uh, I actually entered uh, college and pre-law. And uh, my roommate that I was with uh, talked me into auditioning for a show that was going on. It was actually uh, David Copperfield. And as uh, I'm originally from Arkansas, and I was at the University of Arkansas at the time. Uh, so from a small town in Arkansas, we'd always played around. I guess we were just playing goofy. We'd always done Cockney dialects just to fool around with ourselves. And uh, I wound up getting cast in the show, and my roommate didn't, which I felt a little friction, but not much. And I kind of found that I had a sense of kinship and family with the uh, people in the theater, and that's kind of what's carried me forward ever since then. Yeah, and uh, you are particularly strong at, at uh, doing the different accents and dialogues. And I have, uh, uh, there's some that I wouldn't try to attempt. I mean, but I could if I, <laughs> if I had enough time before I prepare. But yes, I, I do enjoy the, uh. You certainly do the Irish, uh, excellent. Oh, well, thank you. And what, what are the, what are the other ones you feel real comfortable in doing? Oh, of course, I can always fall back on my old, the pure southern or, uh, which I'd like to, uh, the other one, which is, of course, just regular hick, uh, an English dialect, uh, and then what other? Uh, for for the uh, the young actors in town, how hard is uh, our learning uh, dialects and accents? Uh, you know, it depends on the individual. If you have, it's almost like having an ear for music. If if you can kind of get the cadence of the language, if you get the nuts, some people never make it past that cadence. That's why you get that sing-songy yeah. kind of quality to every kind of person doing dialect work. But you can get past, you can find that melody and add it into your own music and the different word substitutions that come along with it. Mm -hmm. the but there is techniques for a lot of them, aren't there? Uh, uh, ways of pronouncing, so almost like, like, like you said, learning music. There are techniques to each accent, isn't that true? That is true, that is true. Yeah, it's, but there's nothing worse on stage than when people can't do the accents right. We, we there go. is nothing quite as horrible as bad dialect. Yeah. Better off just using Middle American. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's also, believe it or not, it's actually especially because we're an American audience. Uh, it, if you have the the right flavor, you can get, get away with certain word changes that to a true Irish speaker or English speaker or someone like that, that they, are, that, uh, they wouldn't recognize that word, but us as an American audience will accept that. Yeah, that makes sense. That 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 that's a good good in between. But uh well I go back to when you did Juno and the Paycock. Now that was a there's a stick to the roof of your mouth Irish play. <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> yeah, and and uh uh some people see I have no problem understanding the Irish. I had an Irish grandfather who was from the old country and he was from the west of Ireland and you know how you almost need a translator. Yes. But when you're a little kid, you, you, you get it. You know, you understand mm -hmm. it. So that stayed with me. But, uh, that was a marvelous production. Oh, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, we did a, that was, uh, my premiere production with, uh, Artistic Home. And that was the first one we did at the Live Bay Theater space before we moved to 773 here. Yeah. Yeah. And that small little space. Boy, you made that, you made that place, uh, really work. It gives an example of that it's not a small space. It's the space I have to work with. 
Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I know. Well, to tell you the truth, uh, I enjoy the smaller spaces better. Uh, I, uh, because then the audience can become Im- immersed in what's going on. Because if they're too far away, it's kind of easy to go, oh, well, I just kind of lose interest for a second and then you're gone. When you're sitting right there on top of everyone, where you can see every facial expression, where, you know, uh, you can hear them breathing. It, uh, it keeps uh, the audience more active. But the, and, and how does that affect you? Because I know it does. Because us as audience members, the, we don't perceive it as affecting you guys. But I know oh, it, it does. Yeah. Oh, it affects us tremendously. Oh, yes, of course it does. Yes, don't think... If you've got one person sitting in the audience, and everyone on stage knows where that person is without ever looking at them. Uh, their aura is, is always helping you focus and uh, keep true to what's going on so that you're constantly, you know, you got that small part of your brain working in uh, the actor level going, okay, what am I doing here? Am I doing, am I committed to this? Am I focused? Am I replying truthfully? So. Yeah, and that's and that's that energy that is almost indescribable, although I thought you did a good job of it. You almost ha- you have to be there, and that's what makes live theater so much more powerful than television or film. It does, it does, uh, and I think it's part of part of what reality TV has has kind of stolen uh, and bastardized uh, to a way is that experience. That even as pale a shadow as that, that, that people that have never experienced, especially come to a play like uh, Touch of a Poet, and 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 be right there. You're kind of right there in the action, you know. Uh, that experience is uh, almost indescribable. Yeah, and 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 you know it when you feel it. You know, uh, I once said one of the ways of knowing you've really got an audience is when you never hear anybody cough. Uh, yes, there was it was Olivier who uh, always said, uh, you know, I always felt that my job was just to keep three thousand people from coughing. <laughs> that, I've never heard that quote. I'll remember that. That's very good. All right, let's go back in your career now. I know you did a bunch of stuff for uh, the old famous store. Mm-mm. May it rest in peace. They did. Oh, they yes. produced some great theater. They certainly did. I, they just they just got tired. I believe um, they never quite made the leap. And for uh, such a group of talented people uh, in all directions, it was really really sad. Yeah, and you did some stuff for a Red Orchid. It's another. Uh, group that I'm real high on. Mm -hmm. And Red Orchid is going strong, but then again, Michael Shannon and uh, Guy Ben Swearinger and and Kristen, who uh, is the New Artistic Manager uh, Director there, uh, they're going strong now, too. Uh, They seem to be doing okay. Yeah, they're they're doing real well. But uh, So tell us some of the roles you did for for those two theater companies. Uh, Well, for Red Orchid, I kind of stepped into the role uh, of Frank Vandelay in... uh, uh, their production of Dick Aaron's Way with Michael Shannon, Guy Ben Swearinger, and uh, Steve Wright. Yeah, that was... Steve that Shine, was, I'm sorry. That was an amazing show. It, it was incredible, and it was uh, very nice to actually... I think I actually said to the guys, it's not very often you get to create art on stage, and I was very happy to be part of it. Yeah, and, and it was it was marvelous. Uh, and uh, you did, a, for a famous story, you did The Twelfth Night. Uh, famous store? Uh, yes, I did Twelfth Night for them. I played both Malvolio and, uh, at different times, uh, Sir Topi. 
my favorite uh, Shakespearean world. I really like the comedies the best, I have to admit. Yeah, I do too. And uh, so how many uh, of the comedies have you done? Uh, Mary Wise. I've played uh, Master Ford. Uh, both nights. Um, Midsummers. I've done uh, Oberon. And uh, oh, now that the character's name is going to escape me. Oh, my God. Well, there's nothing like doing Shakespeare, especially the comedies. Do you consider yourself a comic? I do. I do. I think my forte actually lies in comedy. Uh, I'm not a comedian. I mean, I'm not a comedian, but I'm not a comic. Maybe that's what... Okay. When I hear comic, I, I think of a person who tells jokes. Okay. When I hear comedian, I think of a person who makes lines funny. And you do that? Yes, I do that. Somebody else has the brilliance to write the lines down. I just deliver them correctly. <laughs> Some people will say that's the harder part. Uh, I think they're both equally hard, and I salute all the writers out there. I also did uh, Ghetto for Famous Gore, directed by Kyle McClain. Yes, I remember that. That was, oof. Wow. That was, that was uh, quite a strong performance. And talk about a talented and diverse ensemble brought together to produce that play. It was a... Uh, Something else. Yes, uh, yes, I do remember that. Well, what do you uh, what do you have going uh, in the future? Or, or let's put it this way: I always ask this question: What are some of the roles you want to do that you haven't been able to do yet? Oh my gosh, that's uh, you know, th there are so <laughs> so many <laughs> that uh, I I want to do actually in Chicago, uh, Malvolio again. Okay, I get too old. But then again, Malvoli is one of those guys that doesn't matter. Just because he's a lecher, it doesn't matter what age he is. So. Yeah. So you want to do that. Yes. Uh, also, what what uh, what do you have coming up? Uh, at this moment, I really don't have anything coming up. Well, uh, this has been so overwhelming and required all my focus. that. Uh, well, let's really hope I'm the good luck because almost every time I ask that question and and the person I interview says, well, I really don't have much. I'm out auditioning or whatever. Within a week or two, I get a press release, and there's the name. Uh, <laughs> so let's hope. Knock on wood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the minute you stop looking, somebody gives you a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so are you at a point now where you, do you still go out and audition a lot, or or, or do you, are you at a point now where you you know get called, they call you and say, hey, we want you to play this role? I'm I actually moved away for a while. I lived in England for a couple, three years. And when I came back, everything, and I, before, I, I'd only had to, you know, let my phone ring and I could kind of pick and choose which auditions I wanted to go to. But since I've been back and as you get older and your equity, uh, I still have to go out and audition and make people, uh, realize I'm still here and still doing things. And, uh, but, uh, the phone calls have slightly picked up so oh that's good. well there's nothing like doing some good work and getting some great roles to sort of make the phone ring huh yes yes that is true that is true what advice would you give to young actors uh that get frustrated going through the audition process uh stick to your guns find a piece that you love and you love doing and do well and don't be afraid to show it don't be afraid to take the smallest role that's possible and then give it your all for the two seconds or three seconds even that you appear on stage because people will notice. 
and the world will get bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> that makes that makes good sense, and because uh, it's so rare that that some, especially some young kid, comes out of nowhere and you know gets a starring role. You, I guess what you're saying is you got to pay your dues and keep learning your craft. That overnight success thing is only available if you are in a family that is already successful. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be the pattern. It is. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, if you are going into the family business, which may be theater, film, TV, whatever, you are cheerfully groomed from a young age. You know. You've done your. You've done some uh, some television and film, correct? Yeah, I've done an early edition here and. Uh, did the film Spy Game with uh, Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. Wow, there's a couple of big names. Movie. How were those guys to work with? Uh, well, unfortunately, the only person I saw the day, I, uh, two days I worked, uh, once in central London and once in uh, Vancouver, uh, it was me, because uh, it was me and Tony Scott, the director. Okay. So I didn't really get to meet them at all. But Tony Scott's not a bad contact. No, no, it wasn't. Well, uh, this has been terrific, and uh, I, I want you to keep up the, the good work because we need people like you in theater today. Uh, there, there's nothing like the polished professionals to take a show and really make it zing, and that's what you did with The Touch of the Poet and many of the other shows I've seen. Well, thank you, Tom, and I would like to say that we in the theater need people like you who are willing to devote their time and energy and passion to... Uh, Helping us sustain. Well, I appreciate that, and and uh, to me, it's my way of of giving something back, helping to promote something. Because every time I see great shows, particularly like uh, your your uh, performance in A Touch of the Poet, I say to myself, I got to get them on the podcast. And before we did podcasts, I got to say, how do I tell everybody they got to come see this play? So, mm -hmm. thank God for the internet and and for cooperation of you guys. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, folks, get to see Touch of the Poet. It runs till through when? Uh, I'm, you know what? I'm not even sure. I'm the world. Okay, I'm looking yeah. here. Yeah, it's about mid-November. Just go to uh, yeah. go to the Artistic Homes website, and all the information will be on there, and and you'll see a a, a classic play beautifully done. Thanks, Frank. And folks, Thank you, go see a play this week. Mm -hmm.